Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat Podcast on the Serious Angler Network. And today, folks, we've got an awesome show lined up. It's about to be ridiculously busy for me. We have got a string of tournaments that is just crazy coming up here. We've got going straight from, let's see, a local tournament on Pueblo Reservoir, then straight to Nebraska. After Nebraska, I come back and head to the Delta in California as a co-angler, and then head to South Dakota uh, for a Bass Nation tournament. So about to get really, really hectic in my life. So I am just uh, getting some podcasts cranked out and um, excited to get ready to get on the road here. But today's show, I'm excited for. This is one um, that we thought through just from the standpoint of what's cool about the Serious Angler Network and doing this as a group with serious angler podcast is we have all three kind of different backgrounds. we got Bailey working in the fishing industry, Andrew guiding, and then myself working in the fishing industry with the podcast, but then also outside of the fishing industry. So, um, and tournament fishing, of course. And so, uh, a lot of different perspectives there. And this one in particular, it's been cool because we've seen the growth and we had him on in the beginning with the visit from the Bass Boat show of starting his guide service, but we've got the one and only already the captain with Serious Angler Podcast, but Andrew Full. How are you, dude? Hey, you know, living the dream in Western New York. It was raining all day today. I had to cancel my guide trip because we had like 35 mile an hour winds, but it works out because I had to fix some things on my boat. So I had to wait for the wind and rain to stop to do that. But things are good. Things you know? are good. Yeah. Living on the water. <laughs> no doubt. Man, I, I'm excited to get into all of this. And because you've been on the show before, we won't go really into all that much necessarily of your background and everything uh, getting into this. But I will say, um, going from working at the bank to now doing this full time, your income is reliant on this. I mean, how how scary now that we're looked back and we're a year later that's what's cool about this we're about a year out from when you started this whole thing um how scary was it for you to make that jump from a steady income into like hey i'm gonna need to make sure i have clients coming in the door consistently absolutely terrifying um yeah yeah. oh for sure like because you're going from a steady paycheck every week to um if i don't get clients i can't eat type deal Thankfully, I have an amazing support system in my wife who um, has a really good job. So um, it was pretty much her both business who, owners. Yeah, both business owners. So yeah. pretty much um, it was her pushing me to do it with the support. Um, I didn't think it would take off as quick as it did last mm-hmm. year. And ultimately, like one August day, I came home. Well, I think it was actually like in July when I put my two weeks in. Yeah. But um, I came home just irritated. She says, quit. I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. And fall was really well. And we started steelhead guiding to uh, like final out to kind of carry some money in, doing some odd jobs here and there. Sure. And yeah, things have been great, like almost stress free in a different sense of being stress free because I'm stressing about getting trips, but I don't have to worry about somebody breathing down my neck anymore telling me to do irrelevant things that have no meaning to my job so yeah i think that is a a huge huge point there it's like 
Okay. It, there is like this, uh, this stress for working for yourself. And that's what I do now, even with my <clears throat> real estate stuff on the finance side, outside of work. But that, um, I agree. There's like a freedom in the sense that it's all on me, whether, whether we perform or not, whether we do well, mm-hmm. but there's not like a, um, some dumb task that you're getting, you're getting asked to do that you don't see a benefit in or benefiting the company or anything. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I agree, man, there's something there. Yeah. There's definitely one of the hardest things to do for me is to sell something I don't believe in. Right. Like, so like, even when it comes mm. to working with our partners, yeah. I have to believe in our partners on the serious angler side in order to promote their product. If I don't believe in it, even if like I was 18 or 19 years old and accepted a deal, I don't believe in it. I don't use it. I won't talk about it. And it's probably mutually best to separate yourself from a company like that at that point. But yeah, it's like gadgets with corporate work world were just, insane and that's what they always wanted like i was in a sales position at the bank okay and they're like gadgets 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 you got to do this this and this and i'm like well if i do that that then i'm not going to make any money like yeah and then you get yelled at for exceeding your sales goals but not having enough gadgets so it's just what are what are gadgets i'm confused here so like gadgets would be like online banking enrollments and like clicking Uh on tabs inside the app that lead you into a third party program that the bank has paid for and stuff okay. like that. And you had to have like a 30% click rate on a monthly basis to do this. But it's like mm. 95% of our clients didn't have online banking because they were 80 to 95 years old. And they, they were just worried about the interest rate on their $500,000 of CDs that they have that matured every two months because they were laddered. Sure. So, like it's like, <laughs> That person doesn't care about online banking. They're in here every two days asking what the interest rate is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You got to know your customer. And, and dude, like the selling something that you do not believe in, uh, people are smart, man. People have instincts. They can tell right away if you don't. And, and, and like you said, we've had many conversations, uh, you know, with what are we going to bring on for partners and whatnot for this year of the serious angler podcast. And it's always comes back to, okay, do we actually like this company? Do we actually like this product? Do we use this product already? <laughs> Don't mind my wife crawling. I told her she could walk. <laughs> I think the crawl was better. I brought one more that so funny. <laughs> oh you can crawl back now. <laughs> yeah. Don't even stand up. Just stay crawling. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a first. I haven't seen yeah. someone crawl behind. I've seen like dogs. Yeah. Uh, I've seen people walking around, but a crawl. Nice. A slow, sneaky army crawl. That's yeah. Like I heard her coming because I'm upstairs and I looked to my right and she's like, Can I come up? I'm like, Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting her to crawl. Like <laughs> Just... <laughs> normal life in the full household on a daily basis. That's all you need to know. It's the way things go, right? No here. doubt. No doubt. But anyways, uh, you got to believe in the product to sell it. And uh, that's uh, part of what we do with our partners. And uh, it's always something that that is uh, something that we truly believe in because otherwise it doesn't make sense to represent them. It's super important to sell something that you believe in. And if you don't have a reason to sell it, still talk about it. Because if you truly believe it, people can tell just by the way the bait looks after you catch some fish on it. 
So is that a, is that a tackle? It is. Yeah. it is. I like this. I mean, I hear they leak. This one hasn't leaked yet. I have one that is leaking. Yeah, I've heard that they leak. This one hasn't been too bad, but I do see a worrisome spot on it. So I'm going to be interested to see. I think every big fish that I caught last year on topwater came on the chartreuse shad. I've got that color. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that bait, uh, too, is it's the original mold from the Repo Man. Which was the original mode mold of the reaction innovation vixen i'm sorry not the repo man i'm thinking of it no yeah they're right. all they're all the same yeah there's like it's all the same mold and it's just different plastics right or whatever and then like you have people who spend hundreds of dollars on the original vixens and so anyway. here's a quick question before on rabbit holes yeah whatever happened to bub tosh and paycheck baits i have no idea but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I I don't know. There's so many little bait makers out west specifically that like just dissipate and I don't yeah. know what happened to them. But just Bub Tosh in general, he was like a Delta legend and like mm-hmm. just disappeared from the face of the earth. And I don't know. I don't I don't uh and this will be my first time ever going to the Delta here and then a couple of weeks, but like that is, uh, I've heard that name a ton. Yeah. And you're, like you kind of just like I haven't heard that name in a really long time. Just gone. Just, but it is what it is. Yeah. So back on track. I apologize. All right. I no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good, man. Um, no, I just really wanted to get into a check in with you after a year of doing this. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts in a lot of different. Um, aspects of your business now and where you're at. You've done so much on the outside, off the water, on the water. I like how you diversify in both, you know, river trips, especially kind of in that winter time frame, fall time frame. And then uh, also all your lake stuff. What's been your biggest, I guess, to start your biggest learning curve. What was like the, the hardest thing uh, over this last year for you to like, I don't know, was it talking to clients? Was it building a, website i mean what where was the hardest thing for you the hardest thing for me and this is going to sound completely funny Uh going from a tournament angler to a professional guide captain the biggest thing the hardest thing for me to learn was boat positioning interesting because Because, it's not you you're setting up clients yep so like when you're in Lake Erie in three foot waves, you have to position the boat correctly in a two to three foot wave to where you're not taking water over the side that it's comfortable to dry ride. Mm. When you're driving, it's not a big deal. But when you're covering a giant area and drift fishing in that, you have to position the boat to a way where your client isn't getting beat up, but mm. also they can have contact with the bait all the time because not every client that you get in the boat is a really good angler. A lot sure. of times they're like, I can't feel anything or I'm snagged. So it's <laughs> finding that fine line between I can't feel anything to I'm snagged with the boat positioning and speed and speeding up, changing sizes. So like you and I, Adam, we could probably get away with fishing a quarter ounce weight in like a drift that's 0.5 miles an hour, right? Mm-hmm. To an average client, they might have to run three eighths or a half ounce mm. because they're just not used to that feel. And yeah, it's, they want to feel the bottom and they want to feel everything. Correct. So it's 
between that and like actually like sitting there and showing them how to present a bait properly when the like goes flat calm is like the two hardest things. Okay. So it's either when it's windy and tough a little bit and, uh, and having to have them understand and feel what's going on. And then same with when it's absolutely slick calm. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. And there's never anything in between on Lake Erie. So it's kind of, it's, um, it's, it's interesting. Slick calm, I think is honestly more tough for me now. Really? And when we have two footers. Okay. And what's the, what's the issue with the slick calm is you're having to have them work the bait. Yes. So the biggest thing is like a lot of times it's slack line bites Mm. and you're casting 200 to 250 feet from the boat, which sounds like a crazy far distance. But as soon as you have live scope, you understand 250 feet isn't (laughs) far at all. Um, and then, like, you're teaching them how to slack line a Ned rig in 42 foot of water with a three eighth or a quarter ounce head, counting to 30 for it to fall, and sure. sitting there shaking and crawling it back for six minutes back to the boat 250 yeah. feet away. And then they're like, Oh, I think it's a rock. And you'd be like, Nah, man, that's a fish. Hit him. Yeah. Like, and it, it's just stuff like that. I've learned how to read people's rods in line. I bet. You're sitting like, there watching. Yeah, like there's two clients of mine that are like, how did you know that was a bite? And I'm like, as I've seen like 3,000 fish be caught on a rod, I can just tell at this point. I'm like, oh, hit yeah. So like the big thing is I tell clients is like, if I say hit them, reel as fast as you can and hit them. Yeah. Set the hook as hard as you can because yeah. they're 200 feet away, 42 foot down. There's a lot of slack. Yeah, you better crack them. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So it's, um, yeah, there's been a lot of cool things, trials and tribulations, but, uh, we're getting there. I think we're getting now, there. Now, as far as in the rough water goes, like you said, keeping someone dry. I mean, it's, I think about that too. Like, I don't know, taking my girlfriend out versus my tournament partner, right? Like if it's blowing, yeah. we have no problem just going right. And yep. it's like, all right, put the rain gear on. Cause it's going to, we're going to get a little yeah. wet here, but now it's like, okay, I got to drive differently. Have you ever considered like a walleye boat, you know, or a big Lund or a, you know, a deep ranger or something that would be a little bit bigger. So there's maybe a little bit drier ride. Yes. And no, like in a perfect world, I'd have a bass boat and a deep V ranger because that would be great. Yeah. It'd be awesome. I need like, (laughs) I need to find a way to create like a corporate atmosphere, but not like we were talking about this earlier. I need to find a way to like mm-hmm. get like four or five guides on my team, right? Be able to book like 150 days times six. So like 700 days a summer and just kind of mm-hmm. hand them out and then take like 10% or 20% off the top and just pay them whatever their trip rate is. Plus my fee for booking the trip. Then maybe oh. I could have two boats, but like, yeah. um, no, so, like, I'd love to have two boats, but I do a lot of finger lake guiding as well in some mm-hmm. inland lakes. And some of those lakes, it's too tough to get a big deep V ranger in. So, really? yeah, I have to pick my poison and really, like, the best spot that I have found from maneuverability, drivability, and comfortability is going to be probably, like, a 19 PHX. Mm. And... You're thinking Lake Erie, you should probably have a 21-footer. Yes, it's great for covering a lot of distance, holding a lot of gas. But mm-hmm. 
when it comes to a 21 foot bass boat and four footers to a 19 foot bass boat and four footers, the biggest difference I have is maneuverability. I can yeah. cut easier. I can steer it better and kind of like bob and weave and pick my lanes as opposed to in a 21 PHX. You can't do that. Yeah. You, you're driving over the top of them and you're still getting wet. So, yeah, that's an interesting point. And I've, I've, uh, I've talked that through with a lot of guys, like a lot of guys, like a 20 foot, you know, yeah. or like, uh, like you're saying down even to a 19 for the maneuverability. And, to me, like I went with the 721, um, which is what 20 foot 11, I think, right? Yeah. So it's a smaller and it's narrower. It's a lot narrower than like a even a 920 or a 921. Yeah. And so it's it's about as small as you can get for a 21 foot boat. But um, I've seen like the difference for me is if it's just like a chop, not a Lake Erie, a Lake Ontario, not a Great Lakes roller type wave. When it's just a chop, it's nice to have that extra length because yeah. you can just cut over them, right? Yep. But when it comes to like when you're actually cutting and weaving and diving, which I've only done a little bit of when it's been really big here or like on a Lake Ontario in the open, watching guys, how they maneuver those things. I think a lot goes into play too. You can maybe get away with a 20 or a 21 footer. Um, if you are propped correctly and you've got a good jack plate positioning to where you have a lot of torque to be able to, to whip quicker, but you're right. Like you need to be able to crank harder and quicker with when you have that much more nose involved yeah. on your boat. Yeah. You'd almost have to. So like with my 19 foot Triton, it's barely 19 foot. It's just under mm. with, with my night 189 TRX. I don't have to create that much torque. I can just, I can trim it out at three quarters trim and ride in at 24 miles an hour and three footers, just mm -hmm. dipping and diving and weaving my way in as mm -hmm. to where somebody in a 21 PHX might be going 29 miles an hour, but they're literally going over the waves. Yeah. So eh, it's more of a pick your poison. Either way you're getting wet. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> when it comes down to bass boats aren't made for, for those conditions to nope. be real, <laughs> but no, you're right. And I think too, uh, I mean, a lot of, um, for a while there, Ken Smith and still is, I think was doing some incredible bass boat reviews on YouTube and he nailed everything on the head with it. And, and a big part of his review was a, what is the lowest speed I can run this boat at on pad, just barely be on pad. And that is a massive, and it comes down to your propping and everything, but like, that is a massive difference maker to me to keep your nose up and do like, if you can do, I mean, in the legend, uh, I could do, and again, it was an 18 and a half foot boat. I could do 17, 18 miles an hour and just, mm -hmm. and just go real slow over those big waves. And now in the Phoenix and I'm not propped correctly, I need to go down one prop level, but like, it's still low twenties. You know what I mean? Like if you can find that balance of running a low 20 mile an hour, I think it is really beneficial to to come over waves when it's bad, bad. Oh, 100%. And safety is the first thing because um, a lot of times you're out there, like on the Great Lakes alone, you're not the only one who's out there either. The lake can turn in an instant. Like they can call for one, one foot or less. And you get a thunderstorm who rolls in. You have 100 boats trying to get off the lake at one time. You mm -hmm. want to make sure your boat is running on pad slightly so you can see over the bow. Yeah, And because if you can't see over the bow and you come over a six footer, there could be a little boat below that six footer you're going right over the top of. 
Wow. So, yeah, it's uh, crazy, especially like the way Buffalo is designed. It's a it's essentially like an ocean port. They have a big break wall and okay. the harbors on the inside that's about a half mile from the break wall. So you have main yeah. lake break wall with three entry spots. So all the boats have to funnel into these entry spots and with the prevailing wind from the southwest that those six foot waves bounce off of those walls come. and come back out mm-hmm. into the lake. So now you have like 10 footers that you have to come. It's not fun. Like I even like in a deep V Ranger, like, yeah, you can go out there and fish in five and six footers, but it is not safe. Mm-mm. So, I mean, there's only a couple guides in this area that I would trust to get in their boat when it's that big. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just such a different atmosphere guiding like versus a tournament, right? Like if it's a tournament, you might have somebody that's going to go, go for it. And it's like, yeah, man, I can go like you hear stories of Frank Scalish in like literally 10 and 11 footers. And it's like, wow, not me. Like Mark yeah. Zona, I think on Bass Live at the St. Lawrence when Chris Johnston won on that final day when there was like six footers, he told a story about how he fished the tournament up there and they ran to Shimo Bay, and the Coast Guard was waiting for them to come off the lake because there was like fifteen footers on Ontario. That is insane. Dude. <laughs> My question is, how do you catch a bass when it's like that? I mean. I don't know the heavy weight and sitting in your uh, sitting in your seat. I mean, sitting yeah. in the console. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh. that's just. I mean, and and uh, I experienced even on Clear Lake. Man, it was as bad as I have ever seen Clear Lake for sure. I was fishing as a as a cone flew out into California and that, and dude, it was hyping, man. Like like I don't know. It probably got to five to six footers kind of at the mouth of this bay and we were back in there and we were on these fish and boat is spot locked in the front. And I mean, waves are, and this is a, a big brand new 20, 20 foot Ranger 520 R, which the R is a really deep hole. Awesome. Rough, ride, rough, rough water boat. This new Ranger is. And anyways, um, spot locked and the waves are crashing over the trolling motor and just flooding the boat like kaboom just flooding it flooding it bilge pump is cranking i'm like i if it was any bigger than this like and we had to leave the spot like we can't fish this like it's literally pushing us backwards spot lock is not strong enough and we're getting soaked <laughs> great fun yeah. wow so fun this... time. Got, a, got a five pounder doing it but other than that it was horrible yeah. oh, it's like oh yeah um i'll pass on that yeah. Like safety first. I'm all about safety first. And I might take some rap for that, but like three footers, even in a 20 foot bass boat in the summertime, it's just not a fun gig for clients to be. That's at. the thing with the clients. Like they're not used to holding on and breaking their back running down yeah. the lake. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can say that I'm like a fair weather fisherman. I am far from it. I'll go out there in terrible weather. I just don't want to put other people in that situation that's absolutely fair and smart that is why i got my new york state guide license i can offer inland lakes Mm. um that we can go catch giant largemouth in and smallmouth depending on what lake we choose or both or you can go into the river right or you can yep as long as the river isn't muddy we can go into the river up to like 30 mile an hour winds it's just not fun because the current moves at like four and a half miles an hour oh so but we'll catch fish yeah, that's <laughs> so, awesome, dude. Well, it's just cool because you're in such a diverse situation. 
yeah. you know, with your ability to just uh, maneuver and go fish largemouth versus versus the main the main attraction there. Yeah, and it, and that's if people want to do it. The one thing I'm focusing on this year is mm-hmm. I think it might be a big ticket is learning how to fish like bigger swim baits because mm. I know like guys out west love to do that stuff. I'm like, man, if I can figure out a big swim bait bite all year round in New York. I could see people wanting to come to New York to do that. Cause I, my goal is just to be like a specialist, right? Like I want to be a trophy smallmouth specialist. I want to be the guy that people book to go fish artificial tournament style baits for smallmouth. I don't want to be a live bait guide. I don't want to be somebody who's just taking the big pounders. Yeah, exactly. Like there's plenty enough guides that will just go sit on school two pounders and they're happy because they're catching fish. I leave two pounders to go find four and fives. We might sounds like a Josh Douglas, man, yeah. as far as like he specializes in right, like on with a guy who he specifically guides out of state clients only, people who are interested in coming and breaking their PB smallmouth record. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm working on slowly becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of seed time and with Lake Erie, it doesn't really allow you to be out there every day. So no, there's, there's some days that we can only get out one day in a week. There's other weeks we're out for four. There's stretches where we can get out for 15 days in a row. Wow. Um, but that's where it's unique this time of year. Cause even if it's blowing like 20, we can usually get out behind the walls in the Harbor, but the downside to that is if it gets too windy, then it gets muddy and then the smallmouth just don't eat well, but I'm starting to figure out how to catch them too. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. In the mud, give us, give us just a little bit smallmouth in the mud. What burn a spin, big white spinner bait. Okay. Just burn it. Something that shows up. Yeah. And um, that's what we're doing yesterday on my guide trip in the morning. It was mud, like maybe six inches of his. And we're burning spinner baits and just cracking three to four and a half pounders all day for like the first three hours. It was silly. And then I got into a bay where the water got clear and I ended up catching five giants on a mag draft. So like, I was like, awesome. this is fun. And then by like one o'clock, the water got really clear and we were able to finesse them. I think we caught, I don't know, between three of us, we put 55 fish in the boat in nine hours, but the first four hours were subpar conditions. Wow. So if we had clear water all day, we would have easily hit a hundred. That is awesome, dude. And I don't think we caught one under four pounds. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Fun. Dude. Heck yeah. That is awesome. Um, with everything that you've, what I've noticed on the back end, not with your specific to guiding, but just like, through our conversations and through everything with social media, you've become and like super active on social media, which is just awesome. Yeah. You've got your website going. Um, how much of your bookings are coming from those like where are your bookings coming from? Do you feel like after a year into this? So to be honest, my website gets zero. It's almost <laughs> honestly a waste of time, but um, <laughs> it's good to have it because there are people who still seek it out. Like I probably get like 70 to hundred views a week on my website. And it's always generated when I post reports and post about it in my social media. Sure. But I would say probably like 
truthfully, 90% of my guide trips have come from Instagram or the Serious Angler Network. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What an asset. That is wild. And then the other 10% have come from Facebook. Yeah. So, okay. And, All social media based. Yeah. It's it's quite wild. But, um, but no, I should change that up. 60% social media and Serious Angler Instagram. 10% come from Facebook and then the other 30 are probably referrals. Okay. Yeah. Cause I do have quite a bit of referrals and I don't want to let that out. I'm ever thankful for those clients that refer people and clients to me because when that happens, those people end up booking like three or four days at a time. So I'm already extremely blessed in the fact that I have a lot of repeat clients and that really helped fill the calendar. Yeah. A ton. What- that's awesome. And, and the repeat side of things is such a cool thing in the guide business for me. I got a lot of friends that guide. I did some guiding in college hunting wise. And like the coolest experience to me is the guys who are guiding for a really long time and career guiding, right? To where like they've got clients that have been coming back to see them for 10, 20, 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. and you build such a relationship with those folks. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you or this journey to see like five years from now, how many of these people become really good friends and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I hope they do because what I tell every client is that as soon as the conversation starts and as soon as they book the trip, I go, you're no longer a client, you're a friend. So like, no matter what, reach out. If you have a question, a boat question, a big question by all means. And I mean, if you want names of guys who I still talk to since the first trip, I'm sure they would say yes to be a referral source because they literally text you like, Hey, like 11 o'clock at night. What do you think of this bait? Do you think it would work doing this? And I'm like, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And I usually That's get back awesome. to them the next day. And they're like, this is how I would apply it. And then they're like sending me pictures of fish they caught, like on the advice I give them and et cetera. And I'm like, this is awesome. That's pretty fulfilling. So, That's cool. Yeah. It, it's quite surreal that, a bunch of people put some scrub like me in their thoughts and want to pay me to take them fishing. So yeah, that's awesome. It's a lot of fun. And then when I get local guys out, like I'm, I try not to take too many local guys. So I'm very picky about who I take out locally. Sure. They're, they're incredible. And like some of them fish tournaments against me and they're like, don't worry. Like we know your spots. We're just trying to figure out how you fish that. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, I don't fish that many Erie tournaments anymore anyway. So I don't really yeah. care because I'm more worried about guiding and putting people on trophy smallmouth than I am catching them during a tournament. I'll go largemouth fishing if I want to fish a tournament. So, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. And, and as far as like pre-fishing for a guide trip, I mean, it's Erie so that you can't get out there all the time. But how often are you doing that? Are you using like okay, you know, maybe you're on a guide trip on a Tuesday and you're catching them, you're catching them pretty good. And you're like, Hey, let's go run some other stuff. And then are you like sneaking at all? Like maybe a little bit of practice to see if an area is good for the next day. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like what is oh, that? Yeah, like almost every time I'm on a guide trip, like it's kind of crazy. I've accumulated like 2,300 waypoints in the last year on Erie besides of what I've had. So I think oh, I'm wow. almost like 3000. I'll be like, Hey, like we've already caught like 15 really good ones. Do you want to go find a giant? And I'm going to show you how I look for big fish on like my grass. Mm. So I'll like take the time to run to an area that I've never graphed and be like, 
it's the same depth. This is a little structure. It'll be like in the middle of nowhere and be like, we're going to idle around for like a half hour and see if we find anything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like last year, I went super shallow in an area that I've never fished. And okay. I ended up finding a gold mine of like five and a half pounders. And they sat there for me for two and a half months. Wow. So every guide trip, I could pull up there and catch a big one. I was like, this wow. is incredible. <laughs> and it's awesome. And it was like 200 yards from a really good rock pile I had. Just an area I never got over to or grabbed. So close. Wow. And I was like, let's go look. And it's like a 300-yard area of just boulders. And it's loaded. So that I can't wait to get back there in July. Because they'll be there from July till October. Wow. That's <laughs> wild. Yeah. In July, October, we're fishing like 40 to 35 to 53 54 foot of water and the spots in so deep. Wow. the spots in 19 like that's how like surreal it is my rock pile that i have in the area is in 35 foot and i just like climbed up the hill and i'm like oh <laughs> here's where they're going to rest or go and set up here because they're well, you know i mean 200 feet like to me like that's the same probably the same population of fish that you're catching some of them that are back on this other spot and, and it's funny, like I've tried pulling up there in the morning and I can't catch them. It's an yeah, afternoon yeah. deal. It has to be slick, calm, and sunny. Interesting. They're just going yeah. to have to sit next to those rocks. Yep. They're going up there to eat something. And every one of them is fat, like just wow. ginormous. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> like, Gosh, that sounds th- like fun. This spot is awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> one, one other thing I wanted to talk about with your guide service. Um, so of the year, what's your goal on how many days of the year? I mean, obviously weather permitting, and you probably also have a process of like, okay, Hey, this person's coming in from out of town, dude, the forecast a week out's not looking good. It's really not good now, but like, and we can talk the cancellation or, or what that kind of looks like from a, wind and uh standpoint but anyways what's your goal for the year i mean you're living up north there's only a certain amount of days where you can actually fish what does that kind of look like for you in a, in a season yes yeah, so that's a great question so on average in new york state you have if i'm adding in steelhead we really have like 300 days of good fishing weather for bass and steelhead combined that's pretty good that's more than yeah. i had expected if we're talking straight bass fishing, yeah, it will range from let's see here. Doing quick math. Mm-hmm. About 250 days. 200 250 days we can target bass in New York. Gotcha. So like we're talking the end of March, beginning of April through December. Mm-hmm. Depending on how cold it gets, when it gets cold, how much snow do we have? Is it the lakes muddy? Did they start to freeze or did they thaw early or is it a late spring? Like there's a lot of variables in it, but on average, there's that amount of days we can fish because I have all of my licensing in New York. So I could literally be on any body of water that somebody wants to go to. Mm -hmm. And When it comes to cancellations, if somebody's traveling in from out of town, I might be like, you have a three-day trip. We might be able to get one day in on Erie. If you're up to it, we could go hit a couple inland lakes because this the 
price we agreed on, I'm not going to upcharge you. Normally, I charge $50 more for my Finger Lake trips. Yeah, but I'm like, because of the inconvenience, we can do that, or we can reschedule. But I got my New York State license because I don't want to reschedule if I don't have to. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. But it's completely up to the client. Yeah, so like if a client only wants to catch smallmouth, now, like, we might want to reschedule. But if they're open to go catch some largemouth, 100%. I'm like, let's go jack on some fish with a jig in nine foot of water. Like, let's yeah. go have some fun. If yeah. they know how to fish a jig on a baitcaster. <laughs> yeah, that's a question. I mean, how many people that you book, percentage, rough percentage, can throw a casting rod versus versus just a spinning rod? That is a great question. I would be... I, if I was saying less than 10% can't use a casting rod, I'd probably be lying because I think it's closer to 5%. Wow. And the the trick is I have dialed in my MGL reels so well that mm-hmm. I can teach somebody how to cast it in like 30 seconds. I have found that to be true for myself too. I used to be, I guess, snobby in like high school yeah. and being like, and even into college of being like, oh no, like be careful. You're going to backlash this. Like, nah, I don't really want you to like, just put brand new line on that. Like here, we'll maybe yeah. go this route. But now like I just turn the brakes up, turn the spool tension up a little bit and then just slowly back it off as they get kind of the rhythm down and, and how it all works. But I, I, I agree. I think it's come a long way. And I think that, yeah. uh, low in your equipment has made that better to teaching people yeah so funny story not so much funny story but a quick story i had a guy client this mm-hmm. april one of my first trips a year and we went largemouth fishing and um and I, I fish on a lot of my guide trips but i don't try to catch fish i'm just trying to see like what else they might bite or if there is something that we're missing because I'm going to put the high percentage baits in my client's hands. So I had the one client who fished a lot up in New Hampshire. He's throwing a rattle trap and he's smoking them on a baitcaster. But the other guy is a steelhead client of mine. He's never used a baitcaster before, but he had some. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, let's get a couple fish and then we'll figure it out. So he catches a couple on a single swim bait. And I'm like, I've caught two on a jig. I give him the jig. I'm like, you're just going to slowly underhand cast it till you can feel it like pendulum. So I literally just had him sitting there pendulum, like getting the bait moving. And I'm like, as soon as you feel comfortable, just let it go. Like real softly. Don't care about how hard it hits the water because it's not going to backlash based on how I had the reel set up. And as he's doing it, I just slowly kept backing him off. And on his third cast, his third flip, he caught almost a four pound largemouth on a jig. Wow. And I was like, that's incredible. Like, he's like, that was sweet. And I was like, yeah, like, it's simple. And then after that, I had him throwing a chatterbait. He was throwing a crankbait. And he didn't set a baitcaster down the rest of the day. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> so it took me three flips and about 30 seconds of instruction. And the kid was winging, uh, winging just about everything around the yard and catching him on it. So it was really cool. It's gratifying. Heck yeah. No, that's the coolest part. Um, I've got a couple other just random after yeah. hundred days of guiding. Uh have you what have you felt yourself at all when it's been like, I don't know. I guess it's what's nice about it is you have a couple of days break just because of 
the weather possibly, but uh, have you felt yourself like after what's the longest streak you've, you've guided days in a row and have you felt yourself like any little bit of burnout or is it all been like pretty good? So this spring, what did I do? I think I did like eight days in like 11 or something like that. So it was pretty busy. Oh yeah. And I was ready to get to Florida. So we went to Florida for three days and (laughs) instantly got back and got right back into guiding. But no, like the biggest thing is you just kind of get your hands get tired and they hurt. Like I was bleeding out of both of my thumbs, my fingers, because they're just torn apart from grabbing like 80 to 90 smallmouth a day. So like, and they're all big. So they're mean. They have teeth. So Mm -hmm. it's like I, um, my hands were ready for a break. I don't, I don't doubt that. Dude, you need to be wearing the blackfish gloves. And I, I know you still get your fingers tits, but I've, I've turned into a glove guy just because honestly, more than anything, more than anything for yeah. how much time I spend fishing and outside, I keep getting, uh, my girlfriend, Kenzie is always like calling me old man hands because, yeah. and I, I try and I've gotten so much better about skincare and, and sun, sunscreen and all that because Dude, they're just getting wrinkly as all get out. So I've been wearing yeah. gloves more and more. And I've gotten a lot more used to them. And the blackfish ones are great because they're they're uh, lightweight and then they also kind of breathe really well. Yeah, the, I think the way I hold a reel, a glove yep. just gets in the way for me. I like lose gotcha. sensitivity, so I can't wear a glove for just the way I hold a reel. Like um, while I was throwing Daiwas, I had a glove kind of like falling apart in the finger. And it got uh-huh. caught in the T wing as I was real. No way. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, like, what do I do? Wait, fish on? <laughs> yeah. I was no. like, what do I do? <laughs> like, yeah, just a mess. Like, I had to like rip it out and like reel and like, sit there and mess and get the piece of yarn out of the T wing. I just don't wear them, but like where I have like cuts, right? Like, you can kind of see this one here. Yep. It's like the glove would sit like there. So yeah, it's- it'd be a little bit low. And then this one is in that one's a little harder to see because the angle. Dude, I get that even right just there. same deal. If I have like back to back tournaments or something, like gosh, my hands get so beat, especially in a place when you're catching a lot of fish. Yeah. And normally smallmouth, that's that way. This Lake Oahe, dude, and I remember all the elites saying it too. This is coming up uh, for me, the Bass Nation tournament. The elites are also going back there. And to this day, even after spending time up in your country and catching giants up there, and then catching smallmouth all across the country. I have yet to find a place as Lake Oahe that has as mean of fish as I have. I don't know what the strain is, what is in the water there, but like even a two pounder will rip your freaking hand off. I've never had fish that you put your fish in the, you, you go to put your hands in the live well. And these smallmouth dude were eating, like you would go in there and I'd be grabbing for a completely different fish and I'd have a fish come over and smoke my thumb. And I'd be like, what is- <laughs> what is the main bait fish in Oahe? Is it like an alawai for a gizzard shed or no? It's a uh dude, they've got some weird stuff. I don't think they're alwives. They have um they have this really big bait fish. I'm trying to think of what it is now. It might be alwives, but I don't think so. Um now I gotta look. Because I have found on lakes that have pelagic smallmouth that chase alawives or a or some type of bait fish, they tend to be the meanest suckers in the freaking world. Like a couple of our finger lakes, they get really pelagic in the summer and chase aloe wives around. And then one will smoke a spook 
in like three foot of water for absolutely no reason. And they will literally like bite your thumb off, like yeah. sit there and chow on it and shake and tear you just to shreds. They're yeah. so mean. Dang. So they, they have smelt in there, which is a same, like a very pelagic fish. Yep. Smelt are a bait fish that just move around a lot, but there's, I know there's something else that's really big in there that moves around a lot too. But they are just, I mean, as mean as it gets, man. I'm, it's just its just wild to me. It's so much fun, but, like, good gosh, do you get your hands tore up? I love smallmouth, and it's funny. Like, all my clients will ask me. Not all of them, but I sound like a certain Instagram page that all of us follow. But, um, sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to go on that rant. But, um, like, a lot of my clients ask me, like, do you really like fishing for smallmouth? And I dead straight look them in the eye, and I'm like, no, I'm sick of it. Like, it's all I do. I live seven minutes from, like, the world's greatest smallmouth fishery. I'm like, yeah. give me a flipping stick, 20-pound fluoro, and let me go flip some sparse grass and rip some faces off. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I get I get really tired of, like, the the wimpy rods. And it's just, I don't doubt it's, it. it's so much fun, but it's like, oh, great, it's another four-pounder. Because we're just so spoiled with four-pounders. Dude, you are so spoiled. And that is hilarious to hear you say. But I understand. I think, I think I'm think i someone who just naturally gets bored, man. I get yeah. bored of things. I want to go do something else. And I totally have ADHD. And like the biggest thing for me, what I love about bass fishing, is that it is, and particularly tournament fishing, but, and I guess it doesn't matter. It could be any bass fishing, especially if you travel is the fact that you can catch them so many different ways with so many different things you can have. And I love fisheries when there is a tournament going on where you have guys in 30 feet of water and you have guys in a foot and a half of water. Yeah. And I Every just, Every great lake that. event ever. Yeah. <laughs> like literally. And that's just the coolest thing to me about bass fishing is there's always a different way to catch them and you can make it your own way and you can go. 20 miles away to a different lake and it's completely different yeah it's it's absolutely an incredible it's an incredible sport it's um it's ever changing it's ever evolving and i think a lot of that has to do with anglers are starting to realize that we don't have to throw four inch baits to catch bass they're an extreme predator and they will come up and smoke a 10 inch swim bait when oh, yeah. they're 12 inches long just because they're curious uh-huh. and they want to kill it. So like it's um, what happens on a body of water when everything aligns is just insane. It's so cool. Especially here in New York. Cause we have so many giants, like every one of our lakes has trophy caliber fish in them for the Northeast. Gee, that's awesome. That is wild. It is true though. I mean, yeah. Oh, you're in such an abundance. And you've um, got a glimpse of it. Like, if you come back this summer, you got to spend like a week out here. I really do. We need to just take some time and film a bunch of content. And also just, I want to see some of those finger lakes and, and everything else that's going on up there. When are you coming up here? So I'll be at Champlain. Going to fly in and fish as a co. I think in uh, I think that's the first week of August. Oh, man, that's a fun time of year. Is it? Yeah, my anniversary with mine and Amanda's anniversary is August 4th. So I think it's that weekend, but uh, like August is wide open for me right now. I have, besides that, I have like no guide trips in August. And I don't know why. Low key, like people who are listening to this, if you want to come 
fish deep water smallmouth and have an absolute right. We're only going to get 5 to 15 bites a day, but August is the time to do it because we're fishing 40 foot of water with a drop shot with 5 pound leader, 6 pound leader. And That's big ones. If, if you catch one, they're going to be big. Wow. Usually, like me and Bailey went out last August, like right at the beginning of August. And I hadn't been out in like two or three weeks. I had a lot of tournaments, no guide trips because I was fishing a lot of tournaments in July. Um, it was my first time on Erie in like a month and some change. And we went out there and I think we caught like 26 pounds. Wow. In August when you're not supposed to catch 26 pounds. That's wild. Yeah, he caught a 588, and I think I had like a 55, and then we had another one right at five, and then two high fours. Jeez. <laughs> Dang, dude. Fun. Dang. Yeah. That is fun. So when uh time time frame wise, I mean, when are you most booked out? And then when are you like, man, I need to figure out a way to get more clients during this time of the year? So June, I am I think I have like five days available in June. And honestly, I don't care if I book them because June. <laughs> You're locked and loaded. Yeah. Like I think I have 22 days booked out of 31 possible days in June. Wow. So June's going to be a busy month. July, I have like three or four trips. So I'm fishing a couple bigger tournaments in July. So mm-hmm. all of my time and dedication is going to go to that. I don't care if I guide it all in July. If I do like a day here, day. I think I have like three days in July right now, which is fine. Um, August, I would like to get some more trips because August can be a ton of fun. Um, September, August, September and early October is when I really would like to start feeling like if I can get 30 days booked between those three months, I'll be an extremely happy camper because that would put me to almost a hundred trips on the year including my steelhead stuff. So that'll give me some flexibility with steelhead to where I won't have to guide as much through the winter. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Sounds like you got a pretty good handle on numbers and what you need to do, you know, yeah, roughly figured without tips and I give multi-day discounts. So if I have like a hundred days on an average of like $375, I'll basically made what I made at the bank. Mm-hmm. So, which is perfectly fine with everything yeah. else I have going on. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate you sharing the numbers with us and, and how yeah. that all works. Absolutely. Um, out of uh, two last questions for you on the 100 days in now. Uh, number one, what have you learned about yourself guiding uh, just after spending 100 days of doing this and creating your own business and going out on your own? And then what have you learned about other people in the 100-day window? Maybe it's clients, maybe whatever it may be. Um, so what have I learned about myself? When I was in the corporate world, I always thought I wasn't a people person. Now yeah. that I'm guiding, I absolutely love talking to every client who comes on my boat. Like You're a people person, man. There's no doubt. Yeah, it, it's really people funny. Someone to open you up, and it's pretty it's pretty hard to not be opened up when it's you and a couple people on a boat. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and we're having fun. Like the other day, a couple of my clients on the boat, the first thing um, my client says when he steps on my boat was Fireball, like the song Fireball. And yeah. like, it was stuck in all of our heads all day long. So every time we'd catch a fish, we'd start singing Fireball. 
And like, that's just like the way it goes. Like you're going to get endless entertainment when you're on the boat with me, because I don't like dull, even if the fishing's tough and I might be miserable because the fishing's tough. And I, I just like naturally feel terrible, even though I can't control yeah. how the fish bite. Um, it's still going to have fun because we're going to laugh, joke. I'm not going to be like, I can't believe you lost that fish. I might razz on you. Be like, come on, man. But you'll get another bite. Don't worry. Like, I've been out on the water. I'm not going to name drop anything. But I've heard, like, other guides, like, screaming at their clients because they're not listening to the guide when he tells them to, like, lift the rod up. And I'm like, that's just, how do you have repeat business? That's wild. And then we have clients that just take people out fishing because they want to make an extra dollar and their clients don't catch anything all day like i had a buddy go out with a local guide here and he's like i didn't catch a bass all day how'd you guys do and i'm like dude we caught like 60 i was like next time just book me man like like, we're gonna catch fish that's exactly right (laughs) yeah and whatever like everybody has their own poison they can pick i'm not gonna say names i'm not gonna bash anybody but you know who's on the water every day, and then you know who isn't, and there's reasons. Yeah. So it, that's that's a that's a good mindset to have. Yeah. Dang. I like it. Yeah. Well, dude, we will we will get to wrapping things up here. Um, I'm not sure if any of your PB stuff has changed, but I would love to hear just just to reiterate: biggest largemouth, biggest spotted bass, if you've caught a spot, and biggest smallmouth. Uh, and then we can also get into how folks can get a hold of you to book a trophy smallmouth trip or a Finger Lakes trip. So client big ones that have been on my boat or my personal big ones? Uh, I was thinking more. That's normally in the show. I have people do their personal okay. big ones. Yeah. But so has a client beat your, your, your. No. Okay. I was going <laughs> to say, so, I, I hope not because you probably spent a lot more time doing this. My personal smallmouth is 615. I think it actually on the scale on the other side was 689 or 688. Yeah. Absolute like beast. It was in May, like seven years ago. I have caught one over seven, but I don't count it because it was on a worm harness trolling for walleye. Really? On Erie? Yeah. On Erie. Yeah. Wow. Over uh I remember clearly it was over 90 foot of water, 45 foot down. That is just the worst. And I hate yeah. that. But I love it. But I hate like it's just like. So it doesn't uh, count. But yeah, I was. Like, how are you ever going to go target that fish? You yeah. know what I mean? Like that fish was probably just out suspended chasing stuff. And I guess it, now forward facing sonar. But just it's insane to me. Craziest part is my dad caught one like five ounces bigger 10 minutes later in the same oh spot my God. <laughs> yeah. well i was like 16 absolutely insane i don't have photos of it anymore they're on a polaroid camera just oh, gone man um, just though. yeah my biggest large mouth ever i went back and looked at all of my records i thought i had one that was closer to seven but it turns out last october with bailey i caught one i think it was like six four eight or six five eight on okay. a chatterbait and that's my biggest large mouth that's awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. Man, you guys have such thick fish up there. But um, big fish in the boat this year. Mm-hmm. I caught a 6-6 accidentally on a guide trip. Felt really <laughs> bad about that. Oh, um, yeah. And but, the hey, biggest, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like it was actually funny. Like 
we are hammering them. Like my clients are absolutely just blasting their doors off. And I'm like, to see if they'll eat a different color. I was like, I'm going to throw the same thing as you, but a completely off the wall color. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that and I'm not getting bit, not getting bit. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm like maybe I'll change it. And as soon as I say that, I feel dink. I'm like, oh, and I still lean into them. And I'm like, I looked at my clients and I'm like, I am so sorry. And he goes, what do you mean? And he's like, are you hooked? I'm like, this is an absolute giant. I can't move them. Like the rod is double. It was the Alpha Angler Spy Bait hair jig rod. So uh-huh. it's pretty soft, like through the middle of the rod, but it has an extra fast tip. And I'm like torqued on this fish with six pound tests on a Ned rig. And you just see, whoa, whoa. I'm like, this is like a six plus. Like oh, he's no. like, no way. And he nets the fish and his jaw dropped. He's like, that's almost seven. I'm like, nah, it's like six. I throw on a scale six. I think it was like six, five, nine or six, five, Jeez. eight. And I was like, I am so, so sorry. Absolute giant. But uh, I got client six pounders. We got five in the boat. The biggest one is six, two, six. And then uh, we have 40 over five in the boat wow. this year. And biggest largemouth because I've only done two largemouth trips. Uh, well, we've only caught largemouth twice. Once was an actual largemouth trip, and the other one was we just went in because the smallmouth bite was absolute trash, and I have a largemouth spot. Yeah. And uh, my client caught a four, was it four, five, six, I believe. Nice. So flipping a jig. That's so that fun. was fun. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. And you do something really cool too, where you have a, uh, is it a gift card or something related to yep. if someone catches the biggest fish of the season? Yeah. So whatever client catches the biggest small mouth, will get a hundred who catches the biggest large mouth will also get a hundred. But I do have a little hidden caveat. If a client catches both the biggest large mouth and small mouth, then it's two fifty. So it's an extra wow. $50 bonus. I really like the reason why I got into guiding was to give back, right? Like I'm not doing it for myself. I'm not doing it to be rich. Um, Mm -hmm. As humans, we should all be trying to leave an imprint on this world and to leave impressions that resonate with people. And at my point in life, I'm like, you know, what have I done to this point to help like human humanity at all? And Mm -hmm. if I can give back any bit of knowledge, I can that's why I became a guide. And then because so many of my clients are repeat clients, I'm like, how can I not reward them for coming to come, keep coming back to me? So I set up the whole gift card idea. And uh, last year it was a young lady who um, basically was like a childhood friend's sister of the family who caught it. Okay. I had to talk to her in like 10 years. She came out with like an ex coworker of mine. And nice. she caught a six, I think that fish was 606. So like just just over six pounds, but it was just ironic that she caught it, which That's is really awesome. cool. So they got a $100 gift card to Cabela's. But since we are teamed up with Omnia, Omnia is not paying for the gift cards. I'm going to purchase them from Omnia, but they'll also piggyback with our code. So you get discounts and free money to a tackle shop. So I'm paying That's for That's awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah, and Omnia is great i'm yeah. so impressed man they such fast shipping and they have everything so yeah. um that's awesome well andy um thanks for coming on and giving us a, a, an update with the guide business i'd love to kind of almost do this annually dude and just see where things go and grow for yeah, you absolutely um, let's do it we'll set yeah. up one year from today and record again perfect sounds good man awesome well how can folks get 
um, set up on a guide trip, follow along with you with everything you've got going. Give us uh, give us the details now. I'm sure if you're an avid serious angler and business from the Bass Boat listener, you've got all this. But for someone who maybe is just tuning into this. Full Fishing Guide Service is the Instagram handle, whatever you call it. That's where I am on probably 99% of the time. I respond to all messages. I go through all three boxes every day, three, four times a day, because I hate missing out on stuff. I see it as if you send me a message and I don't respond for two hours, you probably already contacted another guide. So I try to be on it and answer very promptly. Do not email me. I find when I email back, only one client has ever responded and actually booked a trip with me. Either call me. I mean, I'll throw my phone number right out there. 716-535-0908, Buffalo, New York. Um, The website is, was it fullfishingguide.com, I believe is my website. I don't go to it very often, but I'm sure it will be linked in the description. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's the easiest way is Instagram, Facebook. So Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. Well, folks, if you want to uh, absolutely go to a magical place on this world, world-class fishery, and you got Andy to screw around with in the boat the whole time, go ahead and book it up because yeah. that is, uh, it's cool to see someone chasing their dream, man, and you're, you're absolutely doing it. Yeah, I appreciate literally like all the support and everybody who's booked trips. It's been surreal up to this point. Like, I never thought it would be possible to be a self-sustaining guide after like six months of doing it. And I already have enough trips on this year to basically like double what I did last year. So it's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, glad to hear it, man. And can't wait to to check in more uh, for the listeners of the show. And of course, you know, we're always chatting about it, but that's what we're doing. Bringing value to folks uh, through some of this stuff to hopefully not make some of the same mistakes that we make. So, (laughs) Absolutely. That is the goal. So learn from our mistakes. We'll be better for it. That's exactly right. All right, man. We'll take it easy and uh, we'll chat with you here soon. Sounds good, bud. All right. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, This show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.